and welcome to this special kickoff edition of Bleeding Green, Bears, Burgers, and Bearcat Football. I'm your host, Matt Daniel. Thanks so much for tuning in as we get ready for kickoff tonight, if you are listening to this on the first. If not, that's okay. There's lots of great ton- content to come here on this edition of Bleeding Green, and there's it's not really... A lot of it's not time sensitive. In fact, most of it's not. And I did that on purpose. I wanted to, if you are going to the game, give you an opportunity, give you a little something to listen to on the way up there, but not have it be, you know, not timely anymore, pretty much after the, after the game is over. So got a lot of, a lot of guests. We will talk a little bit about the green and white scrimmage. Head coach Rich Wright is one of my guests here on this edition. Also the public address announcer at Bearcat Stadium. You used to hear him for years on the Bearcat Radio Network. Matt Garter's joining me to talk about some of the great season openers and, and uh, home openers of the past. Current wide receivers coach and former Bearcat quarterback Zach Martin will be joining me to talk about his first career start. Current Bearcat quarterback Braden Wright will also be joining me. He's had some memorable games and moments in season openers uh, and, and specifically against Hayes as well. And I'm really excited to have creative video director Parker Schmitz on. He's somebody I'm a big fan of all of his work. He does incredible work, the incredible hype videos and and highlights and things like that. And the video side interests me. It's not something I'm good at. Dabbled a little bit at it in my time at Northwest when my degree is in broadcasting. They didn't really specialize. You just kind of did that yourself, whether you were a radio guy or a TV guy. And weren't able to do all the cool, you know, creative digital media stuff that they're able to do now. He does phenomenal things, and it's a ton of work. And I was just—I've been wanting to have him on for a while, and the off season kind of got away from me. So why not do it? So that's kind of my, uh, since he is part of the part of the team, part of the staff, he, he will substitute for a player interview this week. Besides, I'm having Braden on, and uh, we'll have hear from some more of the captains and seniors as the season progresses as well. And of course, the Bearcats, according to Eli, is how we'll wrap things up. Eli and I will go through the MIAA schedule, talk a little bit about each game, and then give our predictions on who's going to win and the score. So we're doing that once again this year. A lot of fun. First, we're going to have my chat with Rich Wright. That's coming up next. A couple of things I'll say about it. Again, I'm not going to talk a ton about the green-white scrimmage. Uh, Coach Wright and I do that here coming up. There's there's a couple of things that we talk about that, um, quite frankly, players that that maybe um, aren't going to figure in as much, or there's a couple of players that I mention that you're not going to see in the depth chart anywhere. Because when we did the interview, again, it was the day after that scrimmage, the depth chart hadn't come out like it has um, this week. So um, anyway, not going to spend a ton of time on that. Really not a whole lot. Kicker was interesting. Some young, some young offensive linemen as well. Um, But really there weren't a lot of positions. Running back was interesting, but we figured... You know, it's going to be Jamar, probably RB1, and Mikey at QB1, not shocking. I think we'll see him him and Braden both play um, somewhat. Just exactly how much? Well, of course, I asked Coach Wright about that. He, he's uh, more than sick of answering that question, but I don't know. It's the thing that everybody's talking about. So all that and more, my chat with Rich Wright coming up next right after this here on Bleeding Green. Hey, Bearcat fans, this is Mel Churchman, former Bearcat coach. You're listening to Bleeding Green with Matt Daniel.
And welcome back here on Bleeding Green. Very happy to be joined by the coach of the Northwest Missouri State Bearcats. It's Coach Rich Wright. And, and Coach obviously had the uh, you know green and white uh, scrimmage. That's kind of the first opportunity for uh, – you know, for us fans to get to see the team, but but how do you guys, from a coaching standpoint, kind of approach that? Do you weight it any more than any other practice? I mean, I know you you do your best to maybe kind of simulate some in-game stuff. How do you overall kind of take your approach and, and look at the the green white scrimmage? You know, honestly, what we're looking for is you know so much of practice is compartmentalized. You know, where we're you know, we have an inside run period or we have a third down period or we're working first down, second down team segments and um, we'll have a punt period, a punt block period, et cetera, et cetera. What we're looking for there um, is really the transitions and what happens um, because we don't we don't really play in that in that modality. Uh, at any other time. And, and so there's two, there's two opportunities to do it, or that's the way we've, we've kind of approached things over the years. You know, the first scrimmage we have is it tends to be good on good and it's our offense against our defense. And so it's literally Northwest against Northwest. You know, when we flip it and go to the green and white scrimmage, uh, our our white jerseys were running Hayes stuff, both offensively and defensively. And so during this last week, we've started to intro, you know, their stuff, what we're seeing, some of the things that we like against it. So it provides a glimpse, you know, into either validation of, of what we think is going to work or, hey, maybe we have to take a look at this, tweak this, do this. And so that's that's really the the function of that. Uh, in addition, just looking for the different transitions. You know, the I'm going to keep harping on this all season as long as anybody's going to talk to me in the media. And that is that this team is going to be very different just because of its youth. Um, anybody that was here last night uh, probably looked around the roster and was like, "Holy cow, who's this? Who's this? Who's this?" You know, the fact of the matter is we have seven guys on our football team that started a year ago, and that's on both sides of the ball, you know, and so we've got, you know, to put those younger guys in those situations that just occur in games, I think is phenomenal experience. Well, and and you always talk about, you know, to steal your phrase, you you like to see what happens when the bullet starts flying. Um, you know, is that kind of what your goals are to especially – you know, get some of the guys that that maybe have been around a few years, but in eligibility wise and experience wise are are inexperienced. Yeah. You know, and it's just putting them in different scenarios that just kind of occur in a game. You know, there were there are so many teaching points last night that I, I I don't know for sure, you know, if the casual observer would have noticed. But with the replay stuff, you know, there was a situation where I asked where we thought we had an interception and the kid on the field. I said, did you pick the ball? And he said, yes. And, um, you know, so it was ruled as inconclusive, which is a piece of what our replay is going to look like. You know, it's not. You know, to the fans in the stands, you know, we don't have nine shots. We've got a wide angle and a tight angle. And if neither of those really show up um, because of the angle where the play is or how far back it's zoomed or, you know, just anything that they can't see conclusively, 
um, you know, it's not even going to look the same as what it does on our Jumbotron just because we have multiple shots, you know, on a game day. The teaching point for me there was that I'm going to ask you a question. You've got to be sure, you know, so I don't know if anybody noticed I huddled everybody up, but in those different scenarios, you've got to be sure that whatever you said you did, you did because, you know, ultimately, you know, I've got the challenge flag, but once I lose it, I lose it. And I, and it also comes with a cost of a timeout. So there's just a lot of learning that goes on throughout a game like that. You know, we had a safety, what does that look like? We put the punter on the field. What does that look like versus a kicker? Um, yeah, just a lot of different things. Well, I'm glad you brought up the replay because that's one thing that I specifically wanted to ask you about. What what were kind of your thoughts and impressions and, and uh, you know, of, of, you know, kind of the, the, you know, the trying it out as well in the scrimmage and how you think, you know, that could be a beneficial this season. You know, I think this first year it's going to be really difficult for anybody to assess um, ultimately whether it's a good thing or not. Um, I think the the concept of it and the idea of it is really good. Uh, you know, we're going to we're going to be the test pilots and, you know, see how it goes. Uh, I, you know, from what I watched last night and, and I did get to see it after the scrimmage, you know, the angles are just tough sometimes. And, and so it's it just, it looks very different than what we are all expecting it to look like because we watch college football or the NFL. I mean, it's just a, an understanding of how many camera shots are on any one given play. And, uh, we don't have that. We are literally, um, controlled by, so the first challenge I made was actually on the fumble mm-hmm. and I got that challenge back because uh, whoever was running the video cut it before a little bit early, you know, and, and so it's, it, it's going to be a test, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be something that we'll get through the year and reassess. And then hopefully instead of just saying, Oh, well, this isn't like, you know, FBS college football, or this isn't like the NFL, how do we make it better? You know, because, you know, anything we can do to correct mistakes, uh, give you the example last year, the Missouri Western game where Hohensee threw the pass and, um, you know, the officials on the field for whatever reason, didn't see it. And it ended up costing us six points and did it, you know, impact the outcome of the game? No. Was it the right call? Clearly no. And could it have had an impact? Yes. You know, and so I think us as coaches all want to see, you know, as many calls as possible being made right. And, And if we have a way to work, gravitate towards that at our level, I think we should certainly look at it. All right. Well, kind of back to some of the performances in the game. I mean, and, and obviously as fans, right, this this is the one thing that, that we get to see. We're not at practice every day and other things. How much do you weight individual performances, such as if, if a guy fumbles or something like that? I mean, how much do, is that weighed in to the overall, you know, kind of deciding, you know, when, when you're looking at who's going to play, who's not going to play, things like that? You know, I, I don't know if it, it determines who's going to play or not going to play. I think what it does is it raises a little bit of a red flag. We had three balls on the ground last night. You know, and again, when we're here in practice, you know, we try and do as much as possible to minimize injury. You know, so most of what we do is what's called thud. And thud is is high contact above the waist 
right? And once contact is made, the whistle is blown. Well, when you go into a live situation and people are diving all over the place and stripping at ball, it's just a different situation. And so, you know, it goes back to fundamentals. It's, it's, you know, Hey, again, it's another moment to teach. It's another moment to, you know, create understanding that ball security points of pressure, those types of things are really important because next week it's, it's going to count, you know, and we can't afford, uh, to lose possessions that way. Well, w- one area too that I wanted to talk about that you know has has kind of gotten everybody's attention. I think f- from last year would be kicking, and Cole Lamel was the guy that kicked. He was seven for seven on extra points. He had I think a thirty-four, thirty-five yard field goal. He you know made all of his kicks, and um, you know, ha- you know obviously you brought in competition for him. He he obviously you know, has talent. We could even see that last year. Um, and it was, it wasn't just him, but that I, I thought, you know, me coming away personally, I thought, wow, you know, that that's really impressive. How are you happy with how specifically the kicking game has come along through fall camp? Well, you know, and, and if I'm being completely candid, um, Cole was out there, you know, exclusively as a result of where we are with our kickers right now. So both the other kickers have hip flexor issues, and he was the only kicker available last night, but uh, thought he did a nice job. Cole's got a lot of talent. He's a great kid. Um, he works extremely hard. He he, everything. I, I think sometimes, and and this you know maybe is something that I need to put on myself a little bit. Is you know, you there's a possibility that we rushed him. You know, he he was ex- extremely successful in high school. We've had several freshman kickers come here and do it. Um, but once you start missing, you know, I, I think that there's a there's a mental wear and tear on you. And and I think that's where it is with Cole where it was with Cole last season is that he had all the talent in the world. But when you start doubting yourself or trying to overcorrect or or, you know, just tweak yourself constantly. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I love to play golf. I'm a lousy golfer, but the moment I start thinking about my backswing and thinking about this and, you know, how long I'm going to stay long here or how I'm going to drive through the ball and stay inside out, all of a sudden I can't hit a golf ball. And I, and often after, you know, doing this for as long as I've done it, you know, that's very much kickers too. They try, they kind of get in the rabbit hole of trying to fix all these different things and they, they kind of forget just, it's just a fluid motion. And so nobody was happier for Cole than his teammates last night. They love him. Uh, he did a good job. Yeah, it was definitely good to see. Well, the other thing, I guess the other question or, or talking point that everybody's talking about is the quarterback situation. And I thought both Mikey and Braden played really well, looked looked really, really good. Um, you know, is is the plan still at this point to, to you know, rotate both quarterbacks? I mean, I, I, I've heard, a, you know, I haven't been to, I've only made it to one practice. And so um, heard a lot of that both of them have been performing well. I think we saw that last night, which is really, uh, you know, I think important. I think that's probably what you guys want to see. But are you, are you guys happy with that? And, and is that still the plan, like I say, to to have both guys um, get playing time? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm probably asked that question 500 times a week <laughs> right. and have been since last March. And, you know, we went out for spring practice and I'm, I'm going to give you the same answer I've given every time um, in every interview that I've done. Both of them are going to play. And, and the good thing is that, 
that they've gotten to the point where they have an understanding that if the outside world doesn't understand what we're doing inside, then that's the outside world's problem. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody, I've, it's, everybody tries to make a big deal about this. Well, if you look back in our history, there are several examples of where we've played in a two quarterback system and flourished. Um, you know, I can take you back to Trevor Adams and, and uh, Blake Bowles. I can take you to Brady Bowles and Kyle Zimmerman. I'm now going to take you to Mike Cohen, C and Braden Wright. And I'm not saying it's going to look the way it looked last night with them actually rotating series. Um, I think it's going to, it's going to be situations where if one gets the hot hand, he's probably going to play till he's not the hot hand. If one doesn't have the hot hand, you're going to see the other dude earlier. If he's got the hot hand, you're probably going to see that. And it's, it's just, you know, they have, they're both really good in their own respect, but they both do different things well. And so there can be some of that as, you know, as well. I, I, I think, it's just they're both going to play. And, you know, that's the one thing we've been absolute about since, you know, this whole inception of this. They both played in significant games under big time pressure situations. They've both shown that they can be the guy. And as long as they understand, you know, it's about us and not about them. And it's about our team success and, you know, where we're going together. Then I think it's a, a system that can work and work well. Well, and I think the thing, and I've mentioned it a bunch of times on, on here, is that the relationship that the two, that the two of those kids have with one another. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're you know, like I said, the practice I was at, they were the first one. You know, Mikey throw a great pass. Braden would be the first guy to come congratulate him, and vice versa. And I right. think that's. Um, you know, I've been pretty outspoken on here that it doesn't really, it's not something I'm concerned about. It's not even, it's not on the list uh, for me. And I think that is a big reason. It speaks to the character of, I think of both of those guys. Well, if you look across the landscape of college football, I think you're absolutely right. You know, so we've told the kids the same thing. If you were in most college situations, one of those two kids would be looking to transfer. Mm -hmm. What have our kids done? Yeah. They've stuck around. They've stuck around. They've stuck here. They buy into our culture and they buy into that. The most important thing is that we're having team success. And what does that look like? What does it not look like? Who really cares? Um, It's about us being successful together as a team. And, you know, and I've, I've had a lot of interviews asking me about it and it's just, it's so, it's so ironic because, you know, football is a game, particularly with the no huddle offenses where situational substitutions happen on the field all the time. And, and, you know, nobody even blinks an eye when it's a running back or a wide receiver or a defensive lineman or a linebacker or a corner. But all of a sudden when it's a quarterback, everybody's like, wait, whoa, what, what are we doing? Well, here's the reality. We have two really good quarterbacks that can both play, can both start. And why would we just leave them, one of them on the bench to make a decision on one or the other? Why not let them both play? Why not let them both get into the game and kind of let the game, you know, evolve as it does, so to speak? Well, and you mentioned running back. I mean, that is a place where, boy, it seems like there's there's a lot of talent. Young guys, of course, we know Jamar Moya from last year. We've heard a lot about Tank Young. We saw Jaden Brady. What a cool story, too. I always remember him, you know, with, with getting his his scholarship last year, and and obviously mm-hmm. transferring like Kevin Dominique, Robert Rawley's a guy 
who's been around, you know, I, I and so it, it kind of looked like that last night where there's a lot of guys rotating receivers kind of the same way. We know Trayvon and, and, and Keegan Sturdy and, and some of those other guys, but you know, it's kind of some new looks is, is, and so some of these positions, right. Where it's, where it's not, Hey, this is the guy. It, could you foresee it taking, or, or may it take, you know, a few games early in the season to kind of figure out the, the rotation of maybe how that's going to look. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, the fact of the matter, honestly, Matt, they're all going to play, um, you know, and it may not look the way you think it's going to look. Um, those guys, we've got a lot of kids that are very versatile at that position. And so do they line up in a slot? Do they play in the backfield? Are they spread out wide? You know, we can, we can do a lot with the skill set of the types of kids that we have. Um, we're not going to look like what we did a year ago with Al McKellar and, but that doesn't make it bad. It just makes it different. And, and, you know, our job is, is college football coaches is to maximize, you know, or, you know, highlight the, the attributes of the guys that we have. And so there's a different skill set in that room right now. And, you know, it's, it's our, it's our job to capitalize on it. And, you know, those guys are going to do a lot of different things for us. Well, there's a guy I specifically want to ask about, because we don't see a lot of guys as freshmen, um, you know, that come in, that get a number and Jay Harris, a running back. I mean, that's another position that we <laughs> don't necessarily see guys come in as true freshmen. I think that, that kind of gets, you know, gets of attention. Those of us that are looking at the roster, you know, kind of all really, the time. Did you notice him last night? <laughs> <laughs> I did. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, so did I, that, uh, you know, we're That kid's got talent now. He's a, he's a really good player. He's explosive. He's just starting to understand the offense, which is really his only impediment, uh, so to speak. Um, you know, right now the plan with Jay is to just kind of see where he goes. Is he ready to be a dude at week one? You know, probably not. Uh, but in these first couple of weeks, we got to kind of see where he evolves to because he will be a dude here. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Um, he's different uh, from you know, other than Kevin, all the rest. And, uh, he, he's downhill now. He does everything 900 miles an hour and he's fun to be around and I'm excited about him. We just got to make sure that, uh, you know, with those red shirt rules, the way they are in division two, unlike division one, if he plays in one game, he's, you know, he burned a year of eligibility and it's kind of been our, you know, our consensus that over the years that, uh, that kid tends to look much better, as a 22 year old redshirt senior than they do as an 18 year old freshman. And so we just have to be careful about, you know, if we're going to use him, how much he's got to play and he's got to play a lot. So that's not an assessment we're going to make this week. It's probably going to be over the next couple of weeks, but uh, yeah, we got to figure it out. He's talented. Well, and finally on offense, I mean, the offensive line, obviously Nigel White, not, not coming back hurts, but, but it seems like there is a ton of depth there. Obviously Mitch Goff, Dalton Hill, we know Andrew Theobald looks great. I, I'm personally a massive fan of the neck roll pad. That's, that's old school. You know, I think <laughs> of like a Brian Cox at linebacker back in the day, right. you know, and those guys, but, but, uh, as, as, as my, you know, football nerddom kind of comes out there, but, um, it seems like no matter who's playing, like we have, there is a lot of linemen, a lot of young guys, big guys. It seems like we have a lot of depth and talent there. We've got a lot of depth. You know, what we're trying to create right now is continuity. 
you know, be just because we we've lost, you know, we've lost several starters, you know, getting Seth Zagunas back has helped, you know, in one position. Um, Ewan Mills is a talented kid. Uh, he's a redshirt freshman that we think is going to play a lot for us. Um, you know, having uh, Derek Wires had a good camp. Um, Andrew Theobald's been doing well, Ben Freeman, uh, we've, we've got some pieces. And, and so it's just, it's just figuring out who are the best five and, and then, you know, more than any other position on the football field, those guys have to be in sync with one another. And so, you know, that's been the controlled chaos, so to speak over the last two weeks is to try and cram for the final and, and get those guys comfortable with making calls to the line of scrimmage, understanding blitz protections, uh, IDing fronts, making sure who we're supposed to be blocking. And, you know, we're just, we're, we're going to, the fun part about this team is it should get better as we go. The, the interesting part about this team early is that we're young, you know, and it's, it's, there should be growth. If you had been here every day, I think the one thing that you would be amazed about, or I have been, is that we got here at the start and I'm like, holy cow, how are we ever going to figure this out? We got to week one. I was like, well, it's better, but we're still nowhere where we need to be. We finished up last week and I was like, okay, we're starting to trend in the right direction, but we still have to make significant strides. And so, you know, we're not going to know who we are, or what we are until we actually take that test this week. Um, just because we don't have a reference point on one side of the ball or the other to assess, you know, well, we're a really good defense. Well, we only got four guys back. Well, we're a really good offense. Well, we only got three guys back. So we're just kind of playing against each other right now. And so what does that growth look like between week one, week two, week three, and and where we're going to trend? And that's going to be critical for, for our season. Well, and speaking of defense, I mean, D-line, obviously Zach's back, Elijah's back, some, you know, some guys that have come in that have had some playing time. And also, you know, we see some kind of some young guys out there like a Kobe Claiborne, you know, who's who's a redshirt freshman. How, how and, and I know that that part of the team is is, uh, you know, is, is really important to you specifically, not any more than in the other. But I know you're working with those guys and everything. How are you happy with how that defensive line is, has come along? I think that they've they've made significant strides. They were a group that when when I we got here in fall camp um, was a serious concern of mine. Um, I was I was not happy with where we were performing at the first week. Um, weren't playing together. Didn't understand. But we've we've got the the benefit that I have for the lack of snaps. There are a lot of guys in that room that are physically ready to play. Now it's just getting them to the nuances and the little things that we have to do to execute well together as a unit. To me, it's a lot like the offensive line, and I don't think many people regard defensive line play that way, but I do. And so over the last two weeks, we've grown leaps and bounds. There's been guys that have made significant strides. Uh, We're starting to come together as a unit. Uh, We must have the two shortest defensive ends in America right now (laughs) on paper, but uh, they're playing pretty well together. And and we've got several other guys that, uh, you know, I think I can lean into to we're going to we're going to probably rotate more than what we have the last couple of years. You know, I I've had the luxury of having some dominating kids and we have played against a lot of tempo teams. So. You've seen those same four guys out there quite a bit. Well, this year you're probably going to see seven or eight. And honestly, I like my seven or eight better than I have 
over the last couple of years. Now, the four right now as we're constructed today, when you lose a six-round draft choice, um, obviously you're not going to be as good, but it's it's going to amount to how we play together. Well, and one of the position groups you specifically mentioned at Media Day um, and in our chat was the linebacker position and, and just of the talent level of that. Obviously, we know Sam Phillips, Isaac Volset's going to be there. We saw Andrew Bloom with a pick six last night. Um, Andrew Duma seems like a guy maybe that figures in. How, how are you happy with the amount of depth and how kind of that third that third guy is is coming along? Uh, I think those guys are doing a really good job. Uh, actually, I think it's... It's it's kind of the cornerstone of our of our defense right now. I like our depth. I like the way our young kids have stepped up. We've got we've got great people. Um, you know, the three guys that you mentioned are are playing really well. Um, you know, Isaac is a kid that although he wasn't a uh, full time starter for us last year, has played in a ton of big football games. We're not going to have a significant drop off, if any at all, with him. You know, so I liken him to another starter on the defense. Um, both Dumas and Bloom have have really kind of solidified themselves at the other spot. But there have been some young kids that have emerged as well uh, and and really provided glimpses at the depth that that we have at that position. And so that's going to be a group on my side of the ball. I'm really going to lean into. Well, and, and the defensive backfield, of course. I mean, the back end of the defense is always key. Having you know Khalil Smith coming back looks like Trayvon Peak maybe is is that in the safety positions maybe were kind of a question. I know as a young guy, it seems like Rhett Jordan has has I've heard a lot of good things from a lot of different people. Good camp, he seemed to have a pretty good pretty good game last night. How are you? How are you happy with? Or how are you feeling? Are you happy with how the back end of the defense has come along? Yeah, you know, so one of the problems for me is that I've been here so darn long that, you know, everything seems simple to me. And I have to understand and recognize how much pressure I put on those two safeties because they're literally checking us into everything that we want to get into. And, you know, so I probably made them digest too much early. Uh, wasn't happy with the back end, um, particularly the safety spot uh, the first week of camp made an adjustment, simplified some things, got us a little bit more comfortable. I feel like we're playing better at that position. Feel really good about our starting two corners and, and Khalil and, and Trayvon Peak. Um, you know, right now, um, Charles, our transfer from Western Carolina and Rhett have been running with the ones. They're doing a good job. We've really kind of, I felt like we turned a corner last night. We had several cover busts in our first scrimmage against our offense. And it was just because of lack of communication this week, going into green and white, even though the talent that we were playing against wasn't as good. Those guys were on point as far as our checks and what we were doing. So I'm starting to feel better about that. Perfect. Well, coach, I sure appreciate you taking some time and, and kind of talking over this with me. We look forward to, uh, to seeing, uh, Hey, under the lights at Bearcat stadium is, is always a great time. Absolutely. First time since 2018. And, uh, you know, the, the fun part is, you know, for all of us right now, we just need to take a test. We need to have a benchmark of where we're at and then we can kind of after the game assess and, uh, you know, move forward. I am ready. I'm ready to see some Bearcat football. Can't get any better than under the lights at Bearcat stadium on a Thursday night to start the season. And, uh, going to be a lot of fun the, the the great thing to another thing that kind of has me extra excited the bmb bearcat marching band has went up 
to the scrimmage last Thursday and uh, got there early. Of course, had the the post big poster signing, which was fun. All the juniors and seniors uh, signing that. That was that was a good time. But got there right about the time the Bearcat marching band was practicing, and so that's a lot of fun. I think the Bearcat marching band is as much a part of game day as Bobby the Bearcat or the cheerleaders or or uh, the steppers or any uh, any of the rest of it. I mean, other than the team, right? And so that was that was really cool. And as as this week as well, here in Stewartsville, Missouri, the small town that I live in, we live fairly close to the school, and I can hear the uh, our marching band practice, which my oldest son is in. And so that's a lot of fun. That I just I, just something about it. The marching band to me is as much a part of game day and football as. Uh, as anything else. So that's definitely a good time. Well, let's take a time out. You'll hear my chat with public address announcer at Bearcat Stadium, Matt Garter, next year on Bleeding Green. Welcome back here on Bleeding Green. Proud to be joined by the public address announcer, Bearcat Stadium, and he's also the owner of Rapid Elite, the official printer of the MIAA. Longtime um, color commentator on the Bearcat Radio Network with John Coffey, Matt Garter. And Matt, thanks so much for uh, taking some time and, and joining me here on Bleeding Green. Oh, absolutely. I appreciate uh, appreciate the offer. I really love to look back on all that time in the booth and traveling around and all the different experiences that we had over, you know, 20 plus years. Yeah, well well and, and obviously you you were around in the in the late 90s. You were with John in 99 and you did some stuff before that. But the thing I'm always interested in by everybody, I think all of us whether you know, in this case of this podcast, right, it's kind of Bearcat football centric, but really everybody, you know, that went to Northwest, everybody's kind of got a different story. I know you're you're from what, Illinois? How, how did you come to, to go to it, Northwest? It actually is uh, really strange. Um, I did grow up in Illinois and then uh, my junior year of high school, we moved out to a little tiny town in western Nebraska. And so I finished out my high school career there and had a friend that had discovered Northwest so I kind of looked into it, didn't really want to stay out in the panhandle and uh, decided to check it out and came here. I did try out for the baseball team here um, before my freshman year was offered to walk on. But then wanting to go into radio, I thought to myself, you know, if there's if there's no money. I need to concentrate because I knew how much work both would be. So and th- that's when I decided to go into the broadcast uh, school here at Northwest and the rest is history. Yeah, and, and before you were with John in the booth, you you did some some uh, you know ran the board and stuff like that for for probably wasn't even the Bearcat Radio Network at that time. Yeah, no, it, that was the first thing I started my freshman and sophomore year. Uh, I ran the board when it was on KNIM Radio locally at the time, and John was doing the games uh, at that time as well. And then ninety uh, six and ninety seven seasons. I was, uh, or excuse me, the 95 season and the 96 season, I was the sideline reporter um, for those two, those two years. So yeah, I got to suffer through the Ofer season, you know, that we, we all still remember from a long time ago, but um, also got to see the start of what has become a very special program. So it was an interesting time to first get started with Northwest and then see it build to what we see today. Oh yeah. From, from the stands to on the sideline of the old Rick and Broad to kind of see you know, the Bearcat stadium that we have now is oh, yeah. pretty incredible. 
it's unbelievable. You know, we, we used to be able to hear the coaches stomping above us, above our radio booth when they were upset at players and stuff like that. And I was always nervous one one of them might come through the floor on top of us <laughs> one day, but no, definitely not the case anymore. <laughs> well, well, you know, the, the kind of the, you know, I want to talk about kind of season openers and things, uh, home openers specifically of the past, since we're, we're getting ready, uh, getting ready for Hayes here. But one thing I do want to ask you about it is that what was that 99 season? Like, I mean, being in the booth for that and, and obviously, you know, the, the heart attack cats and all that stuff. I mean, what was, what are some of your special memories from that season? Well, it, it was really cool. Um, and for me, I was really rooting for the, the repeat because I was uh, in Nebraska working during the 98 season and didn't get to, I was working Saturday games for own college. So I didn't even get to go to the 98 national championship game. So in 99, seeing what they had coming back, you knew there was a good chance they were going to contend again. And I just wanted them to win so bad that season, just so I didn't have to go around and be that guy that didn't see the national championship, you know? So for them to win that one in 99, not only with it being back to back, but for me personally, getting to see it in person and, and be a part of that season, uh, was, was just amazing. And then who knew where the ride was going to take us from there? You know, if that would have been the only national championship year, I'd have been happy, but now we're a lot happier because we've seen several more since that point. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And, and we'll kind of get into the home opener aspect. I mean, one of the, and talk about, you know, going from Rick and Broad to Bearcat stadium and Oh, two, as uh, here, I don't know, about a month ago, I, I, sh I found the highlight of Gabe Helms running the season opening kickoff back for a touchdown yes. in that season. And, you know, it's showing the West side of the stadium, which of course is, is the crown jewel now, but back then, you know, it was all tore up and they were, I think wooden bleachers and it was kind of crazy. Yeah. They had the, at the start of the season for that first game, they had the concrete poured for where the in, uh, bleachers are now or the seating is now but that was basically it at that time so they had set up a tent at midfield on the track using some risers to get us up you know just a little bit and we broadcast every game outside that year so you know the home opener then against arkansas tech was or excuse me uh the home opener that year was great because the weather was decent but later that year when it started to get a little cold <laughs> it was hard to concentrate on the broadcasts but yeah we spent that whole season broadcasting outside because of that uh, the construction of the west side of the stadium there that's wild i didn't know that <laughs> that's yeah, great. yeah. That, that was my freshman year so that's always kind of a special special season for me but certainly but, uh, yeah that's <laughs> man that's yeah that's interesting we all know what maryville's like in in you know november and, and yeah <laughs> yeah it, it was it was hard to concentrate and there were a couple of games i remember at least one game i remember it was even hard to speak because if you're cold that long you know your teeth want to chatter and your mouth doesn't want to move as much and <laughs> it, it did make it a challenge but uh it's it's fun to be able to tell the story now oh sure sure well then a couple of years later oh four talk about gabe helms he he liked home openers his senior year in 04 he had a pick six and that was the at the time northwest beat moorhead 77 to 12 as the most points scored biggest margin of victory um yeah and uh have any special memories or anything from from that game lots of points yeah lots of points and you know even to follow that up Gabe just was big early because the next game that year we had played Westchester um and he returned a blocked field goal for a touchdown 83 yards you know so he was kind of a big game Gabe early in the seasons when he was playing but he was just a, a very talented athlete and 
you know, when you have that kind of talent and big play people like that, because you're talking right around the time, you know, where we saw Lambo at quarterback, Jamaica mm-hmm. Rector was here for a couple of years. You know, we saw a lot of points go on the board those seasons. And when you do it right out of the gate, you know, in the home opener or even the season opener, it's it just adds to that encouragement level for the fans like, oh, this is going to be a fun season, you know, and, and it was. Well, and back then, right, you, the playoffs weren't guaranteed. You know, that 02 season, you know, the season open, that, that was fun because 01 missed the playoffs. Same with 04, yeah. 03, which happens to just be the last time that the Bearcats weren't in the playoffs consecutively until now. Kind of a crazy thing to even think about. But, yeah. you know, the, the, <laughs> the players and things, some of those guys – you know, or, or students at Northwest weren't even born, you know, the last time Northwest uh, didn't make the playoffs, but, and that yeah. made it more exciting because, you know, it wasn't necessarily guaranteed that, oh yeah, you know, we're going to be top five in the country and we're going to make a deep run and all the things we kind of take for granted today. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you look at the timing in the early two thousands, you know, we were a couple of years off of um, the two national championships, but we hadn't, fully built that culture that's there now the you know that that allows for that consistency the um what it means to be a bearcat you know the pride and the paw that was all still kind of early stages back then and then you know once it kicked into gear that's why we've had the consistent uh playoff appearances from that point on because now that culture is ingrained deep in the bearcat program and i think that's why they're able to have the long-term success that we're seeing right now yeah, absolutely. Well, you, you kind of mentioned that Arkansas Tech game in 07. It's, you know, kind of the game that that never was as far yeah. as records and things that it, it didn't happen, but it did. Yeah, I think the, the Bearcats were up, I don't know, 21 nothing or something like that in that game before weather ended up canceling the game. And I, I remember there was a game at UNO early in the season. I don't remember if it was the year before. I believe it was in 06. But, yeah, Lightning moved in, you know, late in the second quarter. Um, I think they got to halftime, but the Cats were up by three touchdowns, you know, and the option was given to Arkansas Tech to, you know, because the, the storm wasn't going to go away anytime soon. So the option was given to Arkansas Tech to stay and then finish out the game the next day. And they just thought, you know, you got us by three touchdowns now. They hadn't been playing real well, and they just decided, nah, we'll just head home. So, <laughs> yeah, the game that never was. You'll see it on, like, schedules if you go and look back at the schedules, but can't click on any stats because it was a non-contest. Right, right. Yeah, that's it, – it's funny. Like it That, to me, is one of the more memorable ones because of those reasons, I think. Well, and two – you know, lightning's a little bit that you don't see football games cancel very often. So that, that makes it a, I guess a special feel cause it's um, different, but you know, in 09, I remember it wasn't a home opener, but the season opener was at Abilene Christian. Um, they had beaten us at home in the home opener the year before in 08, pretty good uh, 44 to 27. But in 09, we remember being in the booth and it's so flat down there by Abilene, we could see a storm heading our way from, it was probably 50 miles or more away, just creeping. Well, finally it got close enough, started to rain. They moved the players off the field during warmups. And then it started to rain heavy lightning. The wind was unbelievable. There was a set of aluminum bleachers that were just beyond a fence off the football field that actually blew up into the air and ended up landing on the football field. So it was a good thing they had pulled the players when they did. Um, otherwise, somebody would have been hit 
buy those bleachers. So they did that. I think the game ended up delayed about a half hour, 45 minutes or something like that. But, you know, it was a quick moving storm and they got the bleachers off the field and ended up playing the game. But, um, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's the cool thing about openers in the past is back when we didn't have an all MIAA schedule, it was always fun to see different teams, different places, you know, travel to new places, you, you know, teams like we played East Oklahoma one year, we played Saginaw Valley at home in mm-hmm. 2013. You know, we've seen teams like Westchester, Arkansas tech, Abilene, um, you know, in the early season. And I really enjoyed those non-conference games, you know, and, that's one thing I do miss about season openers, home openers, early season games is non-conference games. But, you know, you got to change change with the times. And when the conference grows, <laughs> you don't have room in the schedule for those games anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Well, talk about weather delays, too. What was it in 2019? I think against Central Oklahoma, there was a some, I don't know, couple hour delay or something like that. It, it seems like it was, uh, I think that was 2019. I'm pretty sure. And, uh, um, although that wasn't a home opener or anything that just kind of, that one yeah. just kind of popped in my mind. Uh, yeah. That was one where it, it rained for like two or three hours nonstop. That storm just kind of hovered over the top of the stadium, you know? And, uh, I remember them playing a lot of music that had to do with rain just to <laughs> fill the time and that sort of stuff, you know? Um, but yeah, that was another one. So it's funny how storms and stuff like that can, leave those lasting memories and even with the different storms and things we've seen um that arkansas tech game is the only one that you know didn't get finished out i mean there were times like i said once up at uno when we dealt with a storm but it passed and they were able to finish the game um they lost the lights i remember when we played at uno another year that we had to wait till they got those fixed too so yeah it's those weird little quirky things sometimes that uh add to the fun of, of being able to tell the story of Bearcat football. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Matt, well, Matt, I, I certainly pr- appreciate uh, you taking some time and, and visiting with me here. One thing I do want to ask you about is, is uh, rapid elite, your, your, uh, your, you know, printing company. Tell me a little bit about yes. that. Cause it's kind of cool. Cause you guys are the official printer of the, of the MIAA. Yes. Um, we're a full print shop, you know, do if it can be printed on any kind of material, basically we do it, you know, obviously the bulk of it is, paper printing, stationary, letterhead, different things like that. But we do uh, promotional products as well. And yeah, my work with the MIAA is, um, you know, a lot of their uh, championship events that they have, the programs, the different forms that they use and and all that sort of stuff I'm, I'm providing. And I'm working now with uh, five different schools around the MIAA to do some printing for them. Um and it's been a it's been a great partnership with the MIAA, and I'm looking forward to continue it for the next couple of years. Well, awesome. Well, appreciate uh, appreciate having you on once again. Appreciate you taking time for me, and we'll be we'll be listening to you on, at uh, when we go to Bearcat Stadium. That sounds great. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate it. Hello. This is former Northwest quarterback Chris Rice, and you are listening to Bleeding Green with Matt Daniel.
Welcome back here on Bleeding Green. Talking, of course, getting ready for the for the home opener under the lights on a Thursday night. Remembering some previous home openers have wide receivers coach Zach Martin of the Bearcats here uh, joining me. And, and Zach, thanks so much for coming on again. And, and I kind of want to take you back a, a few years. We're going to go back to your playing days and and uh, on uh, in 2017 home opener under the lights at Bearcat Stadium was your first career start against Emporia ended up being a pretty memorable game in a good way 34 to nothing um win and talk about I mean do you remember you know you know obviously you you and JB it was you know it was kind of the um you know you guys maybe a similar situation to to kind of you know who's going to play as to kind of what's going on now but do you remember your feelings and then when you found out that that you were going to be the starter for that opening game yeah, you know, you're right. A while ago, uh, you know, I think going back to those, um, might be about four, five or six years ago now. Um, but uh, going back to those days, you know, me and you mentioned JB. Me and JB to this day are great friends still. Um, you know, we wanted what was, we just wanted to win at the end of the day, and that's that's kind of similar to as to what you know what's going on right now with Mike and Braden. They, we all just want to win, so. Um, we were going to do our best, whether it was me in the game, him in the game, um, just to try try to move chains, score points, and uh, take care of the football. Um, so I know, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say it was a nervous feeling or anything like that. You know, I had played in games prior, um, but you know, it's it's different when <laughs> you're coming off, you know, you got a 30 game win streak going into a home opener like that. So. Uh, yeah, pretty wild. Um, definitely crazy, crazy atmosphere. Um, you know, and, uh, it was, it was obviously fun. You know, I think it was low scoring at halftime that we opened it up in the third quarter there. Um, and, uh, you know, execute a little bit better in the red zone. So, um, yeah, it was, it was, you know, stadiums rocking night, night game. Um, you know, uh, not a lot of better places to be, you know, in small town college football. It was, it was a lot of fun. Um, and, and yeah, it was really loud. So uh, that's, that's, that was always the thing that amazed me was how loud it gets there. Um, and, and especially when, when we're on defense, it's, it's crazy. Um, well, so, well, and there's not a lot, I mean, you know, it's just in my, you know, in, in my fandom here, the last, you know, 15 probably years or so that we've even had night games um, at Bearcat Stadium, the MIAA, of course. I think it's a good decision. The first week or two, a lot of times, is, is on Thursday night. And so, but, you know, I mean, what's different? I mean, wh- is there a different buzz or a different feeling as, as, you're, as, as you're coming out of the tunnel or, or, uh, um, or just as you're getting ready for the game? It's I get a different routine, right? It's not, you know, a 2 o'clock on a Saturday game. Yeah, you know, and, and again, it was, um, you know, I had seen it the year before. Um, I, th- I always think the craziest thing is when you, you're you on the field as, uh, during warm-ups. Yeah, people are filing in and that type of stuff, but you don't really get a sense of how much, how many people are in town until you, you go, into the, uh, go into the locker room, you know, you have your your pregame speech and you come back out and then it's just like waves of crowd. It's packed. 
stadiums loud and you're like, whoa, where did all these people come from? You know, <laughs> they're standing on the sideline and, and you're like, all right, here we go. You know, so it's 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 pretty cool. Um, obviously, um, the year before in 2016, we played at Emporia. Um, so, the, you know, having the home opener be uh, there in 17 was pretty cool. And and shoot, it's been since 2018 since we've had a home opener. So, you know, yeah. this, this upcoming, you know, tonight, I guess, will be pretty, pretty wild. So it's, uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be nuts. But um, it was fun. You know, it, it, I, I don't remember plays and stuff like that. You know, you don't really remember that. You just remember all the all the tiny moments that you have with teammates and, and stuff like that throughout a year so um definitely cherish those for a long time yeah and i mean yeah it was a great game for you over 300 yards on your uh you know starting debut although you'd played in several games in in 2016 of course but um i think there was a bomb to sean bain that all that all uh um is, is a particular play from that i kind of remember from that game and uh the other thing and i'm interested from from your playing days if because different guys are different it, it was all green i was i was looking up some pictures and stuff from that game it was it was the all green look which we don't see a lot which i'm i personally love i love love the green helmets which you know we don't we don't get that much anymore and and the the jerseys pants did you from your playing days did you have a did you pay attention to any of that stuff or did you have a favorite a favorite look <laughs> for, for me it was always what it whatever jersey was loosest up top. So I, my favorite were always the black jerseys. So we wore them I mean, only two times, but man, they, they fit perfect on the pads. Um, so yeah, that, that was always my favorite. I'm obviously, I, I enjoy that, uh, just that jersey combo as well um, with, you know, what it resembles and what it's all for. But um, yeah, that was always my favorite jersey was that one. Well, it's it's going to be a good time. Like I said, it's it's the first um, home opener under the lights on a on a Thursday night in, in a few years here at Bearcat Stadium. Uh, Zach, I sure appreciate your time and wish you guys the the best of luck. No doubt. Thank you very much. Hey, this is former Bearcat utility knife Jordan Grove, and you are listening to Bleeding Green with Matt Daniel. Go Cats. And welcome back here on Bleeding Green. Pleased to be joined by senior quarterback Braden Wright. And Braden, as, as we're talking about season openers in the past, I mean, you know, under the lights at Bearcat Stadium, we'll go back to, to 2018, Missouri Western. It was your first ever, uh, it was your first career start. Um, you know, as a redshirt freshman, you know, Quarterbacks don't get that many starts anyway as a redshirt freshman. What, what were your, I don't know, do you kind of remember your mindset, your feelings as you were going going into that game? as your, you know, first game of the season. It was under the lights. It was at Bearcat Stadium. Oh, I mean, I can envision just that most of that entire year so vividly. Just One, I was a completely different person then. I was still a very arrogant 19 year old thought I was a world beater already. I was like, Oh yeah, I'm going to, I'm ready to do this thing. The minute I ran out of that tunnel, I knew I was not prepared for this. I was like, Oh my goodness, this is really happening. So a lot of nerves, um, not much leading up to it, but definitely the moment I got to the field and saw the lights on, saw a different team for the first time. I was like, wow, uh, I'm kind of terrified right now. And 
you know, I just kind of got through because we had a lot of good players on the team, and Coach Wright took me under his wing and knew I'd be that way. So pretty much that whole season, it was every night before the before the game, so Friday nights, Coach Wright really just kind of took me under his wing, made sure I was calm, made sure I was kind of, you know, not freaking out, not going to throw away the game for us, hopefully. And Yeah, that was pretty much the whole season. But that first one, definitely I can remember just the feeling of wanting to throw up because I was so nervous before that. Well, I mean, it ended up being a pretty good game. You know, talk about big plays, you know, a couple of long touchdown passes. You threw for three, ran for another, led the team in rushing, um, you know, and it's against Mo West. So uh, from a fan's perspective, we always really enjoy um, enjoy that. Do you have any sp- special memories or specific plays in that game that really stick out to you? Gosh, there's a couple. Um, one, the first, my first ever touchdown pass, I guess – remember it because I was like it was my first read in the progression I was like please be open this is a touchdown it's open uh Jamie Taylor got open and we scored his pretty pretty easy first touchdown and then another was uh my first uh like little air quote college football hit you know welcome to college football I was uh Blitzer came through pretty free and I kind of spun out of him and I threw it across the middle to uh, Alec Tatum and he picked up a first down on third and long and uh, but the second D lineman who got there after the blitzer missed uh, picked me up and kind of slammed me straight into the back of my head. Head just bounced off the turf, and I remember sitting there on the ground staring and like into the night sky. And I was like, "Wow, I don't know how many more of those I can ever take." So <laughs> I remember that just because of the pain and the I was like, "Wow, this is really college football." Um, so yeah, those two definitely stick out to me the most. Well, and was it? I mean, is it was it special to you? I mean, it's you know, and again we're having that this season under the lights on a Thursday night at, at Bearcat stadium. Um, is it, you know, is it special? It was it special in that reason. Just the, you know, the atmosphere is just different in Bearcat stadium in a night game. It really is. Uh, and you know, it's been so long since we've had one at Bearcat stadium. Now it's like, it's hard for me to just even remember it to, again, like the exact feeling until, uh, until it happens again this year. But, I don't know. It is special. And I think this one's going to be even more special just because it is. I'll be a 60 year senior out there and it'll be the last time I ever get to do this. So, uh, you know, that environment's just cool and it doesn't happen very often. I think that makes it even more special. Well, and, and yeah, and it's against Fort Hayes state always been a tough, a tough opponent, especially in recent history, um, last four times or so, um, for the Bearcats. And obviously we know the, the, the game, last season in Hayes. I want to talk about the one in uh, in 2019, the season before that. It was in Hayes, um, coming off two straight losses at home um, by, by a single point uh, to the Tigers. And, and this one, you guys fall behind 17-0 pretty early um, and then come back and take the lead before halftime. And, and, you know, they kick that long field goal to force overtime. And anyway – what I mean, do you have any memories about that game? Hayes is always a tough opponent, but that one, that one I think was shocking. I, I didn't make the trip out to that game, but as I was listening on the Bearcat Radio Network, it's like blinked and all of a sudden you know, we're down by three scores. That just doesn't happen uh, happen very often. Yeah, that was a that was an emotional roller coaster of a day, definitely. Um, you know, we go there very confident. You know, we're like two years in a row, we can't let it be three. Like, we're not going to – I believe at that time – yeah, another loss at that during that year would have, like, severely hurt our playoff chances. So I remember how big of that a deal it was just from that standpoint. Um, and, 
gosh, going out there, we were all juiced up, of course. Turns out it's much hotter that time of the year in Hayes than it was in Maryville. So that was a shock. I remember the heat. And then also just going down that quick, horrible offensive game. That's why we put the defense in terrible positions. I had a fumble on like our own one yard line that they punched in for a touchdown the next play. So we're just, you know, down 17 nothing, like you said, terrible place to start. And then I'll never forget the one play that I felt like changed it. It was, uh, he was my roommate at the time, Gus Gomez, caught a wheel right up their sideline. He was going to take it to the house, made a couple guys miss, and started stumbling at about the 10 yard line and fell all the way to the one untouched. There was no one near him. Then we punched it in the next play, but still, I just remember that moment get a touchdown on the board, and then all of a sudden we're back up 19-17. Man, the whole second half was a battle. Uh, that was punches being traded back and forth, back and forth. And then, uh, you know, we were lucky. We had Parker Sampson as well. They had a phenomenal kicker. I can't remember Hayes' kicker's name, but he was phenomenal. Made that field goal, but we won on a field goal as well. Parker Sampson was phenomenal for us that whole year. You know, that game, he sealed it for us and kept our playoff hopes alive, really. Yeah, yeah, it was a 56-yarder. Uh, Dante Brown, that was their kicker's name. Yeah, yeah that dude was really good for them. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and then trade touchdowns in the first overtime and and force a, force a turnover in the second overtime. Yeah, Parker Sampson, who had a lot of clutch moments um, as, as a Bearcat. He was a heck of a kicker and, uh, you know, wins it. And it, what, what is it about Hayes? It just seems I, – I know, you know – Coach Wright and Coach Brown, they they have they're really close. I think, in a lot of ways, they're similar as coaches with how they like to build their teams. But it just you know, especially lately, you know, the longer Coach Brown has been around, it's just it's just a makes it a tough matchup. What makes them such a tough matchup for you guys? They definitely are a tough matchup. I mean, they've had playmakers all over the offensive side of the ball, um, and it really stresses our defense. Thankfully, our defense has kept us in all these games over the years. Uh, you know, that's a lot of things that Northwest football hangs their hat on is phenomenal defense. But, uh, you know, from their defensive standpoint, they play their coverages, they play their defensive fronts, they have their blitz packages, and they play them all to perfection. You know, they're a very disciplined defense. They do things the right way. They don't make big mistakes where you get just easy plays, easy touchdowns. Uh, so, I mean, that just makes it you, – you get to earn everything against them. And uh, in the past, we haven't capitalized when we needed to lost a couple games and thankfully we've you know the last two years now we found our, our way back on top of those close games so hey you know you're just going out there and earning everything and know that they're not going to hand you anything throughout the entire course of the game that's what makes them tough to me all right perfect well Braden, as always i always appreciate you having on i'm sure we'll get a chance to chat uh, down the road and and best of luck uh, against hayes yeah thank you thanks for having me again yeah hope to talk to you soon Welcome back here on Bleeding Green. Joined now by the creative video director for the Northwest Missouri State Bearcat football team, Parker Schmitz, who I am a personal uh, fan of of his work. You'll notice I share all of it on social media, especially when all the videos and stuff come out on Twitter. Parker, man, thanks so much for taking a little time and and coming on to chat with me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to do it, and I appreciate you having me on. Well, well, let's kind of talk about you. Get to know you a little bit. You're from you're from Platte City, right? Yep, that's correct. And so is, is that where you grew up? Uh, no, I actually grew up, um, I mean, I guess you'd call it Platte City. I uh, grew up a little bit in Kansas City, um, 
and just kind of bounced back and forth between between uh, Platte City and Kansas City. But um, I went to high school all four years in Platte City, so uh, I I'd, I'd say it's my home for for sure. Okay, but were sports a big part of your childhood? Uh, yeah, I would say so. I think um, I mean I always grew up around sports. My grandpa was a referee, so um, I just kind of and I lived with him for a little bit, so. Uh, he, he definitely had a big influence on me. Um, but yeah, I mean, in high school, I played baseball, uh, really fell in love with basketball too. Uh, I never really played football past seventh grade or eighth grade. Um, I don't know. I just, something about it, um, just told me to kind of stay on the sideline and cover it. Um, but that actually started my, my high school, uh, my freshman year. So, um, started doing that my freshman year and I found kind of a passion for doing that. Um, so I stuck to just playing baseball and basketball. Well, and, 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 and so how did that interest start? I mean, how did you get in, into the video side of it was, did it just start out as a hobby? Did you, did you know somebody else that, that did things similar? Did you get gifted a camera or something? How, how did that all start for you? Yeah, I think, um, I think it was a pretty unique, um, kind of like a, a unique path, um, how it all kind of, how it all laid out. Um, I started, my freshman year, um, I knew the uh, the high, some of the high school coaches at my uh, high school, some of the high school football coaches, and um, they knew I was kind of interested in video. I had um, kind of like hung around a guy that had already done stuff for the high school um, as a student. Uh, he's also at Mizzou now. Um, I could go on about that, but he, um, I kind of hung around him a little bit. Um, he was kind of like a mentor to me, uh, and then the football coaches asked if I wanted to help out with coaches' film, which is like sideline and um like end zone cam just kind of like your typical like all 22 film um so i started doing that for a year and i did that and then uh the next year after that um i kind of took it upon myself to create like a team at my high school um it was more so just a couple buddies of mine helping me out uh they did a great job they helped me out with the end zone and the press box cam that way I could just focus on doing like the highlights, so to speak, from the sideline. Um, and we, I don't know, it, it worked really well for us. Um, they did a great job covering that. I never really had to go over there and check on them. They kind of had it all under control. So, I mean, my junior and senior year, I was able to do, uh, you know, filming from the sidelines and I would pump out kind of like an edit that weekend of the game. And I mean, it, it worked great. And the coaches loved it. The fans loved it. Parents, you know, everybody kind of loved it. So, um, and I myself even developed a passion for it. So I'd say it worked out. It worked out great. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. I mean, that's a pretty cool thing for Platte County. I mean, what's that's a that's a big school, but y- you guys down there are crazy about your sports, especially football. <laughs> yep. Yeah, they um the community really absorbs it, which which helps out a ton too with um with what I do because it wasn't like I was just putting stuff out there and it wasn't really getting shared or it wasn't getting you know put like spread around you know i'd put it out there and parents you know they they'd share it with everybody and then not only that but they would really embrace it and appreciate it they you know i'd see them out in town or you know home home games and even away games they'd come up to me and you know hey you do some great stuff really appreciate what you do um which you know when you hear that um as a as a creative and doing the things i do um it it just makes makes your job that much more worth it and it really makes your day so uh, the community is huge and I just really appreciated them. And I, I still love Platte County. Um, I always try to make it back for one home game a year, but don't know if I'm going to this year, but, um, 
yeah, I mean, a, a Friday night in, in Platte County is it's something else. How did you kind of you mentioned the the mentor that you had? I mean, how did you kind of hone all of those skills while you were while you were in high school? Were, were there any classes you took or anything like that, or was it all just stuff you kind of just did on your own time? Oh man, it was. Um, I I really didn't take any classes for it. A lot of it, um, and still to this day, is is really all YouTube. Um, I kind of I say it's kind of like a term in the in the creative community that like youtube university and i still think it's kind of true to this day like if you know if i ever want to learn something or if like there's ever a new technique that i want to learn or, or whatever it is um youtube's the place for it um you can really find just about anything you want um for for what i do on youtube so youtube's been huge um and really just asking others um i try to always be a student rather than um, be, be a teacher. I always try to absorb and be a sponge. So asking other creatives at other schools and, and bigger colleges and whatnot, and even at the pro level, um, you know, NFL teams, NFL films, uh, there's a guy, a Northwest alum, uh, Andrew Sherry, he worked, uh, as a seasonal with the chiefs as a productionist. Um, and he taught me a lot, uh, you know, taught me, um, how to tell a story, so to speak. Um, I mean, he did a great job. He still kind of comes around Northwest every so often. And when he does, he always does great stuff. But yeah, I mean, he, he taught me a lot. And, um, I mean, even the people at Northwest, um, my professors now that I'm, I'm taking classes with, they teach me a lot. So, um, just, just always trying to learn and, and always trying to get better. Well, so, okay. So you did that in high school. So it kind of, kind of was a thing, right? So, so then as you're, you know, you're thinking about after high school was, do you have some connection to Northwest? Was it, was it always Northwest? Were you looking at other schools? You know, any, anybody that does any kind of journalism usually at least considers Mizzou or look, it takes a look at them at some point. Um, what were kind of your thoughts and then how did you end up at Northwest? Yeah, that was also, um, a pretty interesting way that the, that the cards played and, and like you said, you know, Mizzou is, uh, you know, home to journalism and it's great, a great journalism school. Uh, I, I kind of considered that. Um, I considered KU. And honestly, I even considered just, you know, either working full time or going into trade school. I was kind of all over the place until um, until the fall of my senior year. Or that would have been, yeah, my the fall of my senior year because spring we didn't have school, whatever, you know, COVID. But fall of my senior year. Um, Juwan Bush, who you might be familiar with, he did creative video um, and creative media at Northwest, and he was a senior. Um, he texted me on Instagram. I think he like saw some of my work, and so he shot me a text saying, "Hey man, uh, we got a game this weekend at home. Would love to have you come up." And I had never been to Northwest other than like as a kid to play like some pee wee football games. So um, I come up that weekend it's a saturday it's homecoming which that was a crazy atmosphere to begin with i i had to park in the grass lot i got there like an hour before game time and the grass lot was going nuts and couldn't find a spot i ended up finding a spot after like 30 minutes just driving around um and i i get inside the stadium um i meet juan i meet some of the other people and i i mean we shoot the game the game was I mean, we, uh, it was against Lincoln. There was plenty of highlights that game. It was like 72 to six final score. So I, you know, there was lots of great footage in there. So 
Um, I had a really great time and I went home that weekend, uh, made an edit, put it out. It wasn't really anything that like got put on Northwest or anything, but I just made it just to kind of put it out there, you know, and, um, Juwan shared it. And then I believe because Juwan shared it, Tucker Peavy, the equipment director here, I believe he saw it. And so he reached out to me like a week or two after that, um, just kind of touching base, um, making a connection and, one thing led to another and he was like, Hey, you know, I talked with coach, Wright. He wants you up on a visit. And so I ended up having to go through like the NCAA portal and like using an NCAA ID and like going through the whole process, like that a normal recruit does, which it was pretty crazy. But, you know, honestly, looking back on it, like they treated me, you know, just like a recruit and they showed me that they really wanted me here, which, um, obviously made it an easy decision. Um, but yeah, I mean, I came up here and the coaches were, they were amazing. Uh, the players really embraced me and they thought it was awesome that I was up here, um, and being treated like a recruit. So, so yeah, everything was, it was pretty crazy how it all played out, but looking back, I mean, it was easily the best decision I made and I wouldn't change it for a thing. Well, yeah, I mean, you were announced as a signing basically on signing day. I mean, you with with all of the recruits, your name was on there, and and I think that's the first time I ever remember seeing anything like that. And I mean, I remember, you know, on, was a couple of years ago signing day twenty twenty um, that I kind of noticed that, and I was like, oh, that's really interesting. And uh, then, of course, obviously, you know, no football that fall, but um, but that's yeah, that that's pretty cool. So so was there. Um, was there kind of a, I don't know, program or, or, uh, you know, a setup with how things were already or, you know, how did, how did you kind of make that position your own once, once you came to Northwest then in, in the fall of 2020? I mean, I guess you have, you probably, I mean, there was practice and things, but, but obviously then the season didn't happen. What, what was that whole process like as you're, as you're kind of coming to Northwest and getting acclimated to all of that? Right. Uh, yeah, it was, it was kind of a mess to be honest. Um, I got here, like you said, as a freshman and, uh, COVID hits. And so no season. And on top of that, John Bush who had recruited me here. Um, he had left for another job with Arkansas state, which was, I believe, I mean, it was kind of unplanned. Um, I think cause he was supposed to stay here one more year as a graduate assistant. Um, but he ended up leaving and, the way it's usually always been set up is that like the creative that at least to my knowledge, the the creative that's here at Northwest is like supposed to be the mentor for the new one that comes in. So like back when it first started, I believe it was um, Jasinski's kid. He was like the first one. And then in came, I believe it was Sherry, Andrew Sherry, who I mentioned earlier, Mm -hmm. he came in and they, I think they like did it at the same time. And then in came, uh, another name you're probably familiar with Kevin Berg. Um, obviously he played here and then he was a graduate assistant, I want to say, and he did the creative stuff. And then whenever I think it was like his last year here, he kind of mentored Juwan, then Juwan stepped in and then Juwan, like I was supposed to kind of fill in for Juwan. Then he ended up going to Arkansas state, like I said, and, then COVID, so no season. So it was kind of a mess. And like my freshman year, I was a little bit all over the place. Like I didn't really know what like I would like I knew what I was supposed to do, but you know, I, I wasn't really familiar with like the like the community or the program or just anything. I was kinda like all over the place. So 
um, last year, technically like my first actual season, um, Coach Wright, it was a huge help. He, he brought back Andrew Sherry, um, who helped out um, with the year-end video. He helped come shoot a few home games. And I mean, he just, he was a mentor to me, which it helped a ton. Um, and I, I can't thank Coach Wright and Coach Sherry for that enough. They, without that, honestly, kind of would, I would still be all over the place a little bit. Um, because again, like I said, um, you know, without coach, coach Wright kind of preaches it a lot. Um, you know, a lot of people can, can make highlights and, and whatnot, but to be able to tell a story, that's a whole, a whole nother, um, you know, can of worms and Sherry, Sherry taught me that. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm really happy that he did and I, I want to change it for a thing. So yeah, it was a mess, but, but I'm here now and, and I'm really happy with how it turned out. And so, I mean, last season, I mean, that's when I, you know, kind of found out about you. I started seeing these videos and I'm like, who is the guy who does these? These are really good. And I knew they'd done them in the past. And I don't know if it was a thing where I didn't pay attention as much. Um, you know, I remember when Kevin Berg did it. I remember when Andrew Sherry did it um, and would see occasional videos, but it wasn't something. I don't know. I'm also relatively new to Twitter within the last couple of years. So that, that maybe has something to do with it too. Um, but as, as far as putting these videos together, do you have, how do you go about shooting things? Do you have things in mind for a video, you know, as, as you know, fall camp breaks and there's kind of these weekly videos, is it something where, Hey, today, I'm, you know, do you have, is there a list where you're like, okay, today I want to get you know, some seven on seven footage with, you know, the receivers and the D backs or, or, you know, specific drills or specific position groups. I mean, I assume with games, it's a little bit easier, but how do you, or do you just kind of get all the footage and then, you know, and then figure out what the, you know, the theme or the story of the video is going to be? How, how do you, I just kind of want you to walk me through the process of, of getting, getting the footage, which is only half of it. Then you've got to edit it all together and, mm -hmm. and, and put it together as, as a nice polished finished thing. Right. Yeah. I think, um, I think every video is kind of like independent of itself, but it, it, there is usually like a little bit of a workflow to it. Um, and like you said, games are a little bit different. So the, the video I did, um, to kind of hype up fall camp, um, it was kind of like the first two days of no pads uh, that I had in mind, like at the very start of summer. So as soon as I got back to Casey for the summer, um, I was already kind of in my head thinking, all right, when fall camp comes around, like, I want to make something that's going to get the guys hyped up. I want them to like, like, you know, they're kind of like playing with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder this season. Like I want them to really be amped up about getting this thing going. So I had that thing scripted back in like June, I want to say. And then, I ended up actually getting like the voiceover, um, like July. So that one was a little bit more planned. I did a lot of pre-production to that. So it was a little bit more seamless to edit. Um, but still, like you said, shooting it and, and everything, it's, there's a whole process to it. So for that one, um, I really wanted to focus on the first two days of practice, um, or a fall camp. I knew I really wanted to hit on the fundies and like, a couple of highlights, but I really just wanted to make it like more like of a fundamental drill showing guys like going hard during drills and like just doing the small things. Right. Um, cause I know like that was kind of like a little bit of like what the, what the video tied into was like doing small things. Right. And like 
just being becoming like a champion is like doing the small things right essentially is what i was trying to hit on and then uh the other video um that i did with um the the um the team meeting with coach Wright, that one was a little bit different so i i I knew i wanted to make something with that but i didn't think i was going to use anything from that until the year-end video um but then i like as fall camp was kind of wrapping up i was like you know you know he gave us some really like there's still some great sound bites from that day from that meeting that i was like you know what i can use that in the in the end like the year-end video and use something for a video right now just to kind of like you know let people see and hear what he had to say which he gave some great sound bites in there um but i mean that one was kind of more on the fly um but i was like you know i got some great footage from fall camp guys have been putting in the work i've got some really good footage of it why not throw something together so um fall camp technically wrapped up that tuesday and so i was like i want to have this out on wednesday and the idea didn't come to mind until sunday so monday i started the edit um and i put together just kind of like a rough timeline um and then i shot practice again on tuesday or monday and tuesday in each of those days i just kind of like added in more shots from practice that night um and then i was able to kind of like put on the finishing touches on tuesday um do like the sound design uh color correcting um just fixing like the sound bites kind of like trimming it down just a little bit just to make sure like it's the best of the best and that it's not just going to drag on um but i mean yeah everything everything's different and then kind of like going into games and whatnot um that's when everything really starts to get more of like a rhythm right now it's just kind of like a, a weird like phase of uh like you know what what's gonna benefit the fans like what do the fans want to see right now um and a lot of that is like they want to see guys obviously doing like fundies and stuff, but they also want to see guys making plays. So like this Thursday um, for the green and white scrimmage, like they're going to want to see that. So I already have it planned out to where like, I know I'm going to make a highlight video from that, not showing a whole lot, but just like, you know, certain plays here and there and like guys doing some, doing some good stuff, making some plays on the field. Um, And then after that, once it gets to game week, um, it's always a little bit different. Uh, I always, try to have a game trailer or like a hype video out on like the Thursday. So, well, I guess this, this first game is going to be a little different. It'll come out on like a Wednesday and then um, the games happen usually on Saturdays, but this one's a Thursday. So I'm going to try and have the, that video done by Saturday. That way fans can watch it um, and enjoy it on the weekend. And then it's back to back to the normal schedule of practice throughout the week. And then, games on the weekends and shoot that and edit it and hopefully have it out by like Sunday evening, Monday, Monday morning. So it's, it's, it's kind of a complex workflow. Um, but once it starts to pick up and get into a little bit more rhythm, then it starts to kind of be, um, a little bit more simplified. So other than that, I mean, the off season is also a a different story, but, um, yeah, I mean, in season, it, it gets to be in a rhythm and it, it gets to be pretty seamless. Well, and how much, I mean, you know, how much time are you usually, you know, putting in to say, you know, you've got to make the video that's two minutes long. I mean, how much time have you ever, I don't know, you know, put pen to paper or kind of figured out, or, hey, it takes me, you know, X amount of time of editing and getting footage and all of this stuff to make, you know, make one of these videos. Yeah, um, I think kind of goes off um 
like what I said earlier, like it's kind of like independent of each video, but like, I feel like it kind of, the, the more of like a story that I'm trying to tell, the more time it's going to take to, to make it just because there's a little bit more effort that needs to be put into it. So I would say like, cause shooting is one thing. So like you said, you know, you're shooting a, a two, two and a half hour practice. You come home, you dump all that footage and then you, you know, you got to go through and, and watch all that two and a half hour footage. And yeah, you can kind of scrub over it, but rewatching the footage itself is like an hour and a half to two hours. Um, and then sitting down and like putting it all in the timeline can take anywhere from like four to, I mean, I sat there when sometimes when I get into like a creative block and I'm just like not feeling it, which happens a lot. Um, I'll sit there for like eight to 10 hours, just trying to put stuff together and make sure it flow, make sure it flows. Um, and then beyond that, it's just, you know, making that like a lot of people don't realize it, but like sound design is half of a video. Um, what you see is one thing with like what you're hearing and, and audio is everything. So doing sound design can take anywhere from like an hour, two hours, sometimes three. And then, doing your color grading that can take hours um like one to two uh just kind of depending on the length of the video but the hardest part is just like really just like sitting down at your computer and just being like all right like what what do i want this to look like like what where do i want this video to go and i i've learned in the past year like i, I used to never start with like an end in mind but the more that i've learned to start with an end in mind the simpler it gets. So um, that's definitely something I've learned is just start with an end in mind, know like what you want it to look like, just in envisioning really what, what I want it to look like has helped a ton. But yeah, I mean the workflow, um, it can be a challenge sometimes, but um, I mean, being able to like watch it back and, and just like after it's all done, I think it makes it all worth it. And, you know, the guys that practice and, during the week, they'll come up and, you know, hey, man, love the video. Great job. Um, so, I mean, it, it makes it all worth it 100%. Yeah. No, oh, absolutely. Well, I was interested in that because I think that's the thing that people don't realize. I, I get that a lot with this, and it's way less complicated to put all this together than it is one of those videos. I, I did some of that in college, and I don't uh, – you, you – so I know what – how much uh, sort of how much work it takes and everything and appreciate that. But that's, that's kind of where I was going with that because I think a lot of people don't realize just how long it takes, especially yeah. if you're a perfectionist and you want, you know, to, to produce something that's – you know, that you're pleased with. And, uh, anyway, that's where Absolutely. I was going. <laughs> well, I appreciate, I can, I appreciate you being able to empathize with me. So I know, I mean, it's, it's definitely worth it, but yeah, I mean, there, there are times where you'll get in a creative block and you're just like, man, like, you know, I'm going to be sitting here for a while. Just like, but again, like I said, you know, the more, the more you can envision, the more you have of like, a plan with what you want to do, the, the easier it gets. So that's, so that's where I sit with it. So if you can look into the future a little bit, what kind of, uh, what are your plans then after graduation? I mean, what, what, do you, what's your degree in and then what do you, what kinds of things would you like to do? Um, you know, after your time at Northwest is over. Um, that's a good question. I, I'm kind of, kind of like my senior year in high school. I'm still a little bit all over the place. Um, Ideally, I would really like to land with like an NFL team, uh, doing like like being a a project or a producer or like a 
I'd even take like an editing job with, uh, with an NFL team, but either doing that or uh, maybe doing like NFL films. Um, they do some great stuff, but I'm also in the boat of like, do I want to freelance when I'm, when I'm out of college? Cause you can make a little bit better money if, if you're smart with your clients and whatnot. But and again, then it's solely on you to do everything. You're a business guy and you've also got to manage clientele and, and, and doing the projects themselves. So I'm a little bit all over the place, but I am a, uh, I'm a mass media um, broadcast production major. So, um, and I'm hoping with my portfolio, um, you know, and I can say, Hey, I've, I've been a creative video director before I've, I've handled a team before I've, um, you know, I've done all that. I'm hoping that it can, it can hopefully land me with an NFL team, but if not, um, I suppose plan B would, would to be a freelance full time. Perfect. All right. Well, I've taken up a lot of your time here, Parker. Last thing I like to do as always is, is the pick six, just kind of six uh, goofy questions here. Are you, uh, are you ready? I'm ready. I think so. <laughs> okay. First one. Do you have, I always ask all of the players if they have, you know, if they're superstitious or whatever, do you kind of have a pregame routine? Are you checking equipment and all that stuff? Or is that a thing you do day before? I mean, what do you do right before like game time when you're getting ready to shoot on, on a Saturday? Oh man, that's a good question. Um, I feel like there's a lot of little things that I do repetitively that I don't pick up on, but I guess if there's like one thing that I do a lot, it's, I mean, I, I like triple check my batteries like the night before. Like I, I will sit there for like 30 minutes, just checking all my batteries, making sure that like my camera monitor batteries are ready to go and they're all charged up. My camera batteries are ready. My gimbal battery. I mean the whole nine, I'm just, cause it's happened before. It's like, I get to the shoot and not even like a football game, but I'll just get to the shoot and like something's dead. And I'm like, well, like that's a bummer. So Definitely batteries. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's probably other things that I don't pick up on, but I probably do them pretty repetitively. All right. When you're not shooting video, what, what hobbies do you have? What do you, what do you like to do in your free time? Um, that's a good one. I, I like to walk. I like to bike. And when it's not the right weather for that, I like to paint. I like to sit down on, on, uh, and paint on some canvases. Um, me and my girlfriend, we like to do that. So, Painting, painting, walking, and, and biking, I'd say, are my, my three big ones. All right, so bonus question then. what what uh, Do you have a certain thing that you like to paint, landscapes? or? Oh, man. Uh, yeah, yeah, Bob Ross. We, uh, we watched the <laughs> Bob You know, you got you to gotta throw some trees and some lakes in there. So, yeah, lots of landscapes. Happy little trees, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> th third question of the pick six. What's the last TV show that you binge-watched? Oh man. Um, I, I guess I'm not done with it yet cause it's still like premiering, but I love hard knocks. Um, it's a great show and it's with the lions this year and I'm, I'm really liking Dan Campbell the more and more I watch it. So definitely hard knocks. Um, other than that, I'd say like breaking bad maybe or better call Saul. I'm a big fan of that series. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm with you on both of those. Um, all right. Fourth question. What's your, do you have a favorite place on campus? just to like hang out or, or a place you like the vibe of or something. Yeah, I'd say, uh, I guess I spent a lot of time in Wells hall. Um, that's where all the like mass media majors are. So, um, I spent a lot of time in there. A lot of it's like involuntary, but <laughs> um, 
at the end of the day, I, I do like spending my time in there. It's it's fun and it's kind of like a, a comfortable setting. So, well, it's all for sure. All right. Fifth question. This is my, this is my favorite one already. Who talks the most trash in practice? Oh man. Um, or or mm, if you don't want to name names, is there a position group that talks the most trash? Oh yeah, there's definitely a position group. I can think of a I can think of a couple. That's a really good question. I would say, from what I've seen, I would say the. I think the linebackers are pretty vocal. They uh. I don't know. If, I don't know if they necessarily talk trash, but they know how to get under people's skin. They they'll they'll say some things that'll that'll get some people riled up. So, linebackers for sure. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I have one. For, I'm not going to say it on here, but I have one that that uh, one of the guys really entertained me with in the practice I was at, and he was a line, he's a linebacker. So yeah, that makes sense. All right, last question. Um, you can do anything in the world. What would be your dream job after after graduation? Mm. Honestly, if I could work for the Falcons as a as a producer, that would be I would be set for life. I would I would do that until the day I die. So, producer with the Falcons, I, oh. that'd be that go to Falcons fan. Yep, hundred percent. I'm actually I got the game on right now. I'm trying not to watch it. <laughs> they're, they're playing, <laughs> trying to keep my eyes off of it that way. I don't get distracted. Yeah, I'm a huge huge Falcons fan. All right, awesome. Well, that's all I got for you, Parker. Man, I I love the work you do. And I've been a big fan of it. And I've told you that a million times. I'm glad to I finally got you on the podcast here. I appreciate it. And I look forward to see what uh, content you've got uh, in store for us uh, the rest of the season. Absolutely, man. I appreciate that. Thank you for having me on. Hey, this is Sean Paddock, uh, former defensive line for the Bearcats. You're listening to Bleeding Green with Matt Daniel. Once a Bearcat, always a Bearcat. And welcome back here on Bleeding Green. It's time for the final segment of the episode. It's the Bearcats, according to Eli, joining me as he did last season. If you're new to the podcast, here's what happens. My son Eli comes on the podcast. We talk about the MIAA games for the week. We give our predictions, and then uh, whoever is closer uh, on on the wins and losses, the scores are more just for bragging rights. And uh, But anyway, we pick each game, pick the scores. That's how it goes. Welcoming, of course, my co-host for the segment here, Eli. Hey, buddy, are you ready to get this uh, season rocking and rolling? Yeah. Yeah, we we talked a little bit about it last week. We've been we've been talking about it. now last year. You know, I just kind of it was just kind of a goofy, fun thing. I didn't tell you. You didn't even hardly know who the mascots or anything were. Do you feel a little more confident in your picking ability this season? Yeah. I also submit my scores to the Maryville forum. And so I have, uh, I gave those to you. I let you look over the schedule. I let you look over last season standings to kind of give you a better idea. Um, and, uh, so are, so are you ready to do this or are you, uh, so who's going to win me or you? I beat you last year. Barely. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it, it was fairly close. I will say I don't have it in front of me, but it was a handful of games. I'll destroy you this time. You think so, huh? Yeah. I, it would be impressive if if you just beat me by one win. 
at the end of the season. There's a lot of games, though. I mean, as, as we look at the schedule, right, when, when you're picking Lincoln, Northeastern State, you know, some of those bottom teams, I mean, you know, those games are kind of gimmies. So, um, you know, but but we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens with the top half. Well, let, let's talk. I'm going to talk a little bit about each game. And then we can uh, go from there. I'll just talk. Uh, we'll just go through them in order, like they're listed on the MIAA's website. Lincoln at Washburn to start the season. They played in in Lincoln last year uh, in Jeff City. Washburn got a big win. Um, Lincoln again has another new coach. Jermaine Gales is their coach. It'll be interesting to see kind of how they line up, what they're going to look like on offense. Washburn. I'm not as high on them as I was when I initially did my MIAA. Uh, media poll and have kind of changed my mind on them. I have them fourth and I feel like maybe they could fall a little bit further than that. I had this idea in my head that Washburn's defense was really good. And I think it was just because of the Northwest game and Northwest. I mean, Eli, you were, we were there on the sidelines. That was not a fun game as a Bearcat fan, right? No, yeah. it wasn't. Was that your first game on the sidelines? Yeah, I think it was at any game. Yeah. So, um, but, uh, Washburn gave up a lot of points last year. They're missing some star guys from their D-line. I don't think it matters for this game. I've got Washburn 66, Lincoln 14. I think Lincoln has the possibility of scoring some points, new coach, but it's. I, I think anybody's going to be shocked if it's still a game by halftime. Um, so I've got 66-14 Washburn. I'm guessing you're going to go with Washburn in this game. Yeah. What are you thinking for a score? Lincoln six and Washburn. I don't know, sixty six. No wait, sixty seven. I was gonna say copycat. He's okay. That's 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 pretty close. We're we're right along the lines. I will say that um, at least when when I saw the other submissions in for in the forum because John has a lot more a uh, lot more guys from some different teams. I had about the biggest score in that, but I think I think it could definitely be more. We'll see. Who knows? First game of the season. I know Washburn's got Simone sick as their quarterback, but anyway, I I don't think that's going to be an issue. I don't think Lincoln's really going to be any better um, than they were. All right, so second game, Eli, we've got Central Missouri, who, of course, has one of my favorite all-time Bearcat players, um, Josh Lamberson, as their, uh, as their head coach this season, going to the jungle to take on Pitt State, and uh, th this is an interesting game. I think a lot of us think Central's probably still going to be down, going to be a bottom, uh, you know, kind of a, one of those bottom of the MIAA teams. I think they just have a lot of rebuilding to do, um, you know, but but we will see. I, uh, a lot of people are super critical of Lambeau getting that job. I get that. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm not all doom and gloom. Maybe it's because... Of, of the Lambo love over here in my green tinted glasses. Pitt State, on the other hand, I am extremely high on. I, I picked them second in my double MIAA uh, preseason poll, media poll, and uh, I have stuck with that. I think um, them getting Northwest in, in, in Pittsburgh is going to be tough, but all of that, none of that really matters. They have a new quarterback, although he started the last game of the season, played really well. He did get some playing time last year. Um, I think what their coach Wright, Coach Brian Wright, is doing in, in Pittsburgh, Kansas, is, is pretty good. And so I have Pitt State, of course, winning this game at home. I've got it 35-17, Pitt over the Mules. 
What are you thinking, Eli? Are you going to go with the upset pick here? Uh, There's no pressure to do that. I'm just asking. Eh, I think Pittsburgh is probably honestly going to win. I think that's that's a good decision on your part. I think, um, you know that that is, you know, something most people would agree with. All right, so you've got Pitt. What are you? Uh, what, what are you thinking score first score? Thirty-five seventeen. Okay, I think twenty-three, uh, three. Okay. Oh, we're wow! You're talking some big time defense for Pitt. Twenty-three to three, Pitt. Okay. Well, that would that's that's an interesting pick. Okay. I I I'm not going to fault you because you picked Pitt. I think that's the right decision. All right. We're going to save. I said I was going in the order of it's on the MIAA schedule. Northwest Hayes is next, but I'm going to save that one till last. We're going to go to Northeastern State at Emporia. Emporia, again, I I don't know that I have a whole lot of reason to. I just kind of have fallen in love with this team, specifically on offense. Um, from media day to, um, you know, doing my, my research and things like that, from playing uh, D2 fantasy football, I uh, I don't have an Emporia uh, player no, I do have Kanan Brooks, the running back on my on my D two fantasy team, but uh, um, I'm really really high on their offense. Northeastern State, I don't know, they're really young. I'm I'm not confident. I think them and I, I think they'll beat Lincoln, but I think that game's a coin flip, and I think that's the only game either, either one of those teams has a chance to win. Unfortunately for them, so Northeastern State at Emporia, I've got forty nine to ten, Emporia over Northeastern State. I'm Picking a little bit more of a um, of a margin of victory for Emporia, so keep that in mind, Eli. Um, but I'm guessing you're going to go Emporia in this game. Yeah. All right. What are you thinking score wise? Seven. Twenty-four. Twenty-four to seven, Emporia. I think if it's that close of a game. I think that's a win for Northeastern State, but we shall see. All right. The next uh, um, the next game we have, Nebraska Kearney playing on the road, going to Joplin to take on Missouri Southern, who Southern showed, you know, I think it's Southern would, would love to emulate what, uh, what Josh Lynn has done. Uh, Tiba Bradley did a great job. They won three games last year. They were competitive in other ones, I think. If Southern's going to be good, they're going to have to be much, much more consistent this season. Good young players on offense. Richard Jordan Jr. Um, is is maybe the best linebacker in the MIAA, not named Sam Phillips, um, in, in my opinion. So I think they've got a good team. But Nebraska Kearney, it's tough to pick against them. Well, they they have TJ Davis, and that's, that's pretty much all they need. Um, I think this is going to be a closer game than maybe some people think. I think it's going to be high scoring. I'm still not sold on on Kearney's uh, defense. I've got Nebraska Kearney 35, Missouri Southern 24. Eli, you're up, buddy. What are you thinking? Uh, mm, I don't know. I think Nebraska is going to win. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say... Hmm. I'm going to say... Twenty-eight. Okay. Seven. Twenty-eight to seven. 
that that would be impressive. Twenty-eight-seven, Carney. I I would give their defense some major props um, if that would happen. I wouldn't be convinced, but that that would be definitely be a start if they're going to uh, you know try to win the MIAA. All right, last game that's not a Northwest game. Central Oklahoma, which of course has Adam Doral, getting a lot of love in the offseason, not necessarily in the coaches and media polls, um, but uh, but definitely from fans, specifically Northwest fans. UCO fans also also pretty excited about that. Traveling to St. Joe, playing Missouri Western. I wish this game was on Saturday because I would love to watch this game as well, but I mean, it's not like I'm not going to go to Maryville <laughs> Thursday night, so... But I think it's got an opportunity to be a really interesting game. A lot of people um, are, are picking you, or I've seen a lot of people pick UCO in this game. I think it's a game, although I'm always hypercritical of Missouri Western, that'll probably never change because <laughs> that's just who I am. But um, I think they've had this game circled. They were really, that. this is what kind of started a disappointing season for Mo West last year was losing on the road in Edmond to UCO. I don't think it happens. I think they're ready. Um, I think UCO will struggle on offense. They're, I'm not sold on their quarterback situation. I mean, once AD gets that figured out, I think there's definitely a lot of, uh, a lot of potential for them. Just maybe not this season. Maybe it takes a season or two to really get who he wants in there. I've got Missouri Western winning this game at home, Eli, 28, 17. I think Central Oklahoma. Okay. This, I think as much as any game, this is as close to a coin flip game as there is in the MIAA this week. All right, so you've got UCO. What are you thinking score-wise? I do think UCO's best chance for a win is uh, a lower-scoring game. That's my opinion. Western's got a ton of athletes, but uh, they always seem to play a lot better towards against those bottom-type teams um, in the MIAA. Okay, UCO. twenty. So here, we have our first disagreement. So there's going to be a game difference in the standings between us next week because I'm assuming that we're both picking Northwest in this last game. So here we go. Hayes coming to Maryville. The last two times they've done that in a, in 17 and 18, they won by a single point. And uh, yeah, n- 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 neither games remembered fondly by Bearcat Nation. But um, I think Northwest is definitely the better team in this matchup. A lot of people were, are pretty excited after the the scrimmage last week. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think it's um, has the opportunity to be a lower scoring game. I think um, I, I think Hayes is going to be better this season. Definitely more competitive. I think their defense is going to continue to be good. All of that being said, I'm taking the Bearcats. But again, I'm, I'm going for a lower, lower scoring game than a lot of people. I'm going 24-13 Northwest. Uh, yeah, of course, Northwest, but mm-hmm. uh, the score. Oh. 
That seems to be a popular uh, score that you like picking. Now, keep in mind, do you remember when you were picking scores last season and uh, you picked like some baseball scores? <laughs> you had like six to three, ten to seven, and there tends to be not too many games that are that low scoring in the MIAA. So I'm not saying 24 seven is a bad score. Um, I, I, that's pretty much where I'm at. Um, I think, I think the Bearcats offense has the potential to score some more points than that. I expect the offense to be more open and explosive this season, but we will see. This is kind of a, let's get this game played. Let's get a win under our belt. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what it looks like. It can be as a uh, my one of my favorite wrestling announcers said, "Bowling shoe ugly." Doesn't matter. They just got to get a win. But you and I will be there. Is it your first night game? Yeah. At Bearcat Stadium. Seven. It's seven o'clock kickoff. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. and then it's gonna last till like nine. Yeah, or ten. Usually ten. Usually three hours is a pretty good guess. Hope ten. Give or take. That'd be awesome. But you'll have to get up and go to school the next day, so. There's that. <laughs> it's going to take an hour to get home. All right. So, again, all, all of our picks, we both pick Washburn. We both pick Pitt. We both picked Emporia and Kearney. We differed. You went with West. You went with uh, UCO. I went with Mo West. And, of course, we both picked the Bearcats. So, one of us is going to be a game up when we record this next week. Yeah. So, Me? You? Me winning? Okay, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Any, well, any anything uh, as we wrap up the segment here? Any any last thoughts? Any last smack talk to your old man? Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna win. Okay. Oh, the other I guess important question is: Do you have a favorite Bearcat yet? No. Not yet. Okay. I have. A list of people that I'm thinking of. Okay. Well, you don't have to say because then that's that's too much pressure, right? Yeah. For the players, that's that's a pretty big honor for them to <laughs> to be your your uh, favorite player. Yeah. So it's really hard. There's a lot of good and nice players. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's very true. We had a good time at the scrimmage and the autograph signing and for the posters and all that. It was a good time, huh? Yep. All right. Okay. All right, buddy. Well, we'll uh, we'll see what happens, and we'll talk to you next week. Okay. Bye. There's a star attraction right there. That's Eli with the Bearcats, according to Eli. And uh, you know he's always going to talk mad smack. I mean, that's there's no doubt that happens consistently, no matter what we're doing. But uh, I think he's taking the pick'em a little bit more seriously this year. He's doing a little bit more homework and and different things. I uh, better not give him my MIAA network sign in. I'll be watching, uh, staying up all night, watching the games, but, um, I don't know. I better be careful. John Dykstra. I have a feeling he's, he's maybe going to replace me with Eli for the pickup in the form, but, uh, we shall see, uh, we'll just see how that plays out. I have a really exciting announcement for the podcast, by the way, on social media is that bleeding green now has its own Twitter account. So if you're on Twitter, you don't want to follow me and see all the weird things that I like and retweet and all of that. Well, the podcast has its own Twitter account. It's really easy to remember at bleeding green podcast. And so you can, uh, you can check that out. Of course, the Facebook group is there as well. That's another good way to connect bleeding green podcast, uh, Facebook group. And, uh, as well as the website, I, I like the website because it's an easy way for me to share 
rather than have to pick whatever, you know, if you're a Spotify person or if you're a, you're an Apple podcast person or Google podcast person or whatever it is, um, bleedinggreenpodcast.com. It's just a great way to share that. It's a great way for you to tell people. And, uh, it's, to me, it's way easier to direct somebody there than if they're not a podcast person to, uh, and I'm talking, um, you know, people that are my age or older sometimes. So there's, uh, there's always that to check out, but hopefully you've enjoyed this, uh, special kickoff edition of bleeding green. And, uh, it was, it was a whole lot of fun, a lot of great interviews. Like I said, it went long, but you know, that's me and I'm just ready for some Bearcat football. And that's it for this edition of Bleeding Green, Beers, Burgers, and Bearcat Football. I'm your host, Matt Daniel, and as always, signing off by saying, Go Bearcats! Bearcats!